0: Hi guys, it's Andy McDonald, and welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. On today's episode, I have the one and only Mike Reinold. Mike, as many of you will know, is a PT, strength conditioning coach and performance specialist that works in and around professional baseball and has done for a number of years. I'm very grateful to be able to get him on the podcast at the moment because it's currently the middle of spring training, which is, of course, a very crazy time of year for the professional baseball world. He's the owner of a private facility, Champion PT, in Boston, and he's a huge source of knowledge through his courses or website content, constantly giving back to the education of both physios and strength coaches alike. In this conversation, it was just so tempting to go into sports medicine nuances and specifics, but Mike has so much in-depth information available on his website for tons of specific topics that you can go and indulge in. So I wanted to probe more into his broader perspectives, his professional predictions and his insights for how he operates as a performance specialist. He's incredibly experienced and he provides us with some really pragmatic take-homes, whether you're a physio or a strength coach in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here is the conversation between myself and Mike Reinold. Hi, Mike. You are, of course, very well known, but um, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, just for the listeners that might be first discovering you now, could you just give some kind of context as to who you are and, and what you've done?
1: um yeah well first obviously thank you for for having me and and you know uh congrats on on the podcast that you and ben are putting together and and getting all these great episodes you know it's you know if if the people listening don't realize it some of them probably don't uh there's a lot of hard work that goes into these so thanks for creating this resource and and obviously humbled to uh to be on um but i guess to answer your question um I'm Mike um, I um, I'm a physical therapist athletic trainer strength coach kind of kind of had like a performance specialty kind of niche kind of uh, that I've, I've uh, kind of built over the last 20 years or so um, and you know I do do most of that stuff at my facility up in in boston massachusetts it's called champion pt and performance and um i have a website just my name uh mike com, that um i essentially just share stuff and and kind of like this podcast i just share some things i'm thinking and 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 i'm learning and and you know kind of just try to bring people along for the ride of my education and let other people kind of learn from me from from what i'm learning <laughs> i don't know if that was a good way but uh, but, you know, it's it's, you know, tons of stuff on their podcast, like a bunch of online courses. So that's kind of like uh, my hub. So, you know, that I'm all over social media, that that sort of stuff. So um, I, I'm i easy to find. <laughs>
0: yeah. And of course, lots of people um, aspire to be in pro sport and, and many progress or or aim to have their own facility as well. Uh, in kind of transitioning from being a, a person who's worked in and around pro sport quite extensively um, to becoming a, fi- a facility owner and business owner clinically so any kind of key things that you think have you've been able to carry forward that have attributed to your success having a facility and uh and building kind of like a personal brand in the industry
1: yeah um you know I've, i guess i've been fortunate i've 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 gotten to work in a lot of Pretty neat um, environments, I guess, in different uh, areas within our professions. there's pretty cool, um, you know. Like like many people, I started off in, in kind of like the factory setting, right, where you're just you're seeing a ton of of people in a physical therapy clinic and you know insurance based model where you're just churning out patients. Um, you know, and a lot of people uh, like to you know talk badly about that environment. And sure, I don't think it's the best environment for quality of care. But man, for a new clinician or Early in my career, I sure did learn a lot by having such high volume of people that I worked with. So, um, you know, I kind of started off with that, but then I got a pretty unique kind of opportunity to work in pro sports and specifically uh, professional baseball. Um, so I started working with the Boston Red Sox, um, which was, pretty cool, I guess, because that's, I mean, I I guess that was, that was pretty much my dream job, right? That's kind of like why I did everything I did was to get that exact job. So I got super lucky, right? Actually got the exact job that I was shooting to get. So um, got super lucky. But when I was in the pro sports model, what became really clear to me were uh, several unique things that, that make the quality of care just amazing. Um, And probably the biggest one was just a collaboration between A bunch of different professionals. So I always kind of say, like, a multidisciplinary approach, right? Where you have physical therapists, you have athletic trainers, you have strength and conditioning coaches, and and those are the main group that are with players every day, but you have tons of extra help from massage therapists, to chiropractors, to the physicians, to heck nowadays, even biomechanists and data analysts that are looking at our sports science type of information. Um, you know, again, it was just, it was just this amazing environment where we were all working together to help the person enhance their performance, right? So not just come back from an injury, but how do we get the most out of your body, right? How do we optimize you? How do we enhance you? So, you know, kind of when I went for pro sports and I kind of said like, all right, well, I want to build my own place now. Um, you know, I want to do the, the kind of the same model that we did with pro sports, but I want to do it for the general public. I want to do it for the high school kids. I want to do for the college kids, you know, the heck even adults that just want to get the most out of their bodies. So when we built our, our practice, essentially what we did is we built a gym and we, we built a physical therapy clinic and we hired a bunch of people that were, again, you know, combination of PTs and strength coaches that could work together to collaborate. And, and I think that was like my biggest take home from being able to work in pro sports was I want to do that same model for everybody else. And that's kind of how, you know, we, we, we started the blueprints behind champion um when we were kind of trying to figure out how we wanted to go mm.
0: and i guess when you've when you've got or when you're able to bring in different specialists as individuals i guess you're also then able to upskill everybody as better generalists because the pt learns from the strength coach and vice versa and um and you get a much more skilled workforce i guess at the same time
1: yeah absolutely i i think that's you know that's one of the the flaws i see uh, occur in probably most professions, but certainly in our professions here is that, you know, uh, you know I'm primarily a physical therapist, so it's, it's easy to speak for that, but a lot of PTs want to pretend that they're like amazing strength coaches. And look, I get it. Like you took the CSCS, you passed that test one weekend. Congrats. Right. But that doesn't mean you know how to train people. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You don't know how to coach people or train people or get the most out of them just because you got some initials after your name. You know, you have to actually work in that setting to really appreciate it. So, you know, I see a lot of PTs trying to, you know, pretend they're strength coaches. I see them, you know, heck – Using the baseball example, but you can apply this to anything. Like I see them trying to pretend they're pitching coaches, right, or they're skill coaches that work with the players. um, I've I've resisted the urge to do that, even though uh, you know I could probably do a really good job at that. And just said, look, I want to focus on this small thing that I'm an expert at, and then I want to bring in other experts that are really good at their small things too. Right, and and if you have a bunch of people working together like that, I think you're always going to get, you know, the best experience. So you know, it's 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 surprising to me that a lot of people kind of try to take on the world themselves. But you know, I guess like if you're in the middle of like nowhere, in the middle of the country somewhere, and you don't have like a huge network of people, that's fine. Um, but if if you do, I really really encourage people to to broaden their network and try to find some local experts that they can collaborate with. If if they don't have it all-in-one setting like we kind of built.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Um, you know, across the the ranks of professional sport, there's some brilliant people across the different teams and leagues. And, you know, our knowledge and our understanding of performance in sports medicine improves year on year. Um, and equally, our resources, our technology and our, our understanding of the data, etc., also becomes more sophisticated. Um, but we don't always have more time when we're in those environments, Um, I saw that you recently tweeted that you spent two weeks at spring training, not just evaluating, treating and training, but also educating and empowering athletes to optimize themselves. I'm really interested. Could you kind of provide some context behind that and and where that came from?
1: Yeah, that was a a pretty vague tweet, right? But I guess most. Tweets are vague, right? That's the whole point of Twitter, I guess um, but yeah, pretty vague, but it was you know intentionally vague, so you could kind of take what you want out of it. I'm sure there was a lot of people that read that tweet and thought I was like lecturing, right, and I had slides and stuff like that. um There's probably other people that just you know kind of got probably my built in message there was that. Um, yes, I was performing those things, but I was educating during the process. And I think that was kind of my main point. I think a lot of people got that, but, um, people definitely thought I was like, like, didactically, (laughs) you know, educating people like like with presentations and stuff. But, um, but no, yeah. I, I, the the way I I approach working with my athletes is I I don't take for granted that they know everything we know the, the science the data that we're seeing every day from from the metrics that we get just like observing them and, and acquiring just you know different tests from them over time I don't assume that they know all that all that stuff so I've always kind of put it on myself that I want to educate the player exactly everything I can about the sport so that way they can optimize themselves. So using baseball, obviously, as the example here, you know, with the pitchers, oftentimes, you know, players' arms hurt, right? Their shoulders, their elbows get hurt. It's pretty common. Baseball, obviously, and they have all these weird assumptions as to why that may be happening. And, you know, I always kind of start with it and kind of explain one simple fact, kind of step one in the education process is throwing a baseball is bad for you. Right. (laughs) And that's kind of like where we tend to start. And then you start kind of like talking about the science about it. And then you have to explain to them about workload management and, hey, you know, I've, you know, I'm looking at some of your data, some of the, the Torque on your elbow over the last week with your long toss program Uh, i just wanted you to see it so that way you know you can understand what you're doing when you're playing catch for example so for me i've always like really tried to empower the person i want to teach them everything i know about the sport and the science of that sport so that way they can understand it and that way they can then make the decisions down the road on what's best for them I I just, to me, I think that's the more important thing to do is, you know, a lot of people in our fields in pro sports, they like to just bark at the athletes and say what to do. I like to try to teach them why we're doing it. And then when we get to the what, it's like butter in my hands, right? They're they're all on board with anything I'm going to say because I explained the why first. So we always start with why. And I think that's kind of my main point of that tweet was, Give them the why, the science behind these things, maybe why you should do this on a certain day or maybe why you feel this, you know, the day after you pitch, for example, and kind of build from there. I think that's really what I meant by by educating the players.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I did wonder with the kind of empowering part, whether um, w- whether there was any kind of reference to whether in a professional team setting, perhaps we do. Too much for the athletes occasionally. That could sound controversial, but you know, are we are we doing too much for them? That perhaps some of it they could do themselves, um, and over catering for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a catering thing, right? But it's you know, kind of you know, get back to like the beginning of your question a little bit where you kind of said there's just like a ton of there's a ton of data now, right? And yeah. and you know, what do we do with all this data? I guess is like is is the question. Um, it's 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 showing them kind of the results of what they're doing. There's there is, you know, maybe it's because it's just baseball's so old, right? It's a traditional kind of sport. It's been around for over a hundred years, right? Like people have these weird like traditions that they do, these superstitions that really don't make sense scientifically that we're trying to kind of debunk a little bit. Right. Like and it's it's kind of trying to state why. Because for them it's it's um it's comfort, right? It's well this is how I've done it. And look, I'm I'm pretty close to making the big leagues like i'm a i'm a elite athlete right here so i uh, i'm comfortable doing this where we then have to say like yes that's great but i'd like you to be comfortable doing this for 10 more years right (laughs) so that's kind
0: of how we apply it yeah i guess you know you create a more informed athlete you have better conversations and uh, i guess their reasons when they come to you are more educated and refined as well
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, to me again, it always just goes back to starting with why, you know, and that's probably one of the best books you could probably read if you're just getting into the business here, but like, you know, it's everybody, everybody just focuses on, on the what, the what, the what, but if you always explain your why, then you're going to get much better, uh, just buy-in and compliance and just overall probably better results because they understand kind of what, where you're coming from and, and some of the rationale behind your thoughts.
0: Something I'm always kind of curious about is obviously, you know, we what we do now is almost more complicated than it used to be because we have more things that we can include in our uh, in our information collection on an athlete or how we inform our process. Um, how how have you kind of over time managed the ability to um, almost stay on time and get things done with the, you know, the increased complexity and the, and the tools that we can add into things?
1: Yeah, it's hard because like, like we kind of said this before, I mean, there's there's so much data out there we could get so much. Um, you know, I, I think what we found in the professional sports model, at least, is that we know we can collect a lot of data. That's step number one. Right. There's tons of different data, too. There's there's kind of like external data, you know, or extrinsic data where it's like. For example, like maybe your performance outcomes, like your batting average or your, your earned run average or even some advanced like sabermetric type things, in baseball, you know, where we have our different analysis. But you have that sort of data. We have kind of like our intrinsic data, too, which is like maybe your pitch velocity, maybe your horizontal vertical movement, your spin rate on your, on your fastball, how that varies between different pitches, right? But then we have all of our physical data, too. Right? Like, all right, what's their hip range of motion? What's their shoulder strength? All these different things. So, the first step is saying, like, you know, what data do we want? And pretty much what you're going to almost always do is just collect a ton of data and then have no idea what to do with it, right? Because you almost have too much data. Mm -hmm. The key for me has always been this you need more manpower, you need more people to help you analyze the data, right? Especially in the pro sports model. So, Think of this like as the evolution now. So, like, you know, I, I kind of referenced that I, I was working with the Boston Red Sox for a while and that was a great experience. And, you know, I'm super fortunate now. I'm kind of, I'm helping the Chicago White Sox now. So different color socks, but mm-hmm. I am helping them now kind of rebuild their medical department and kind of get more modern with some of this approach. And, you know, the first thing we said was, all right, let's, let's start collecting the data. Right, and then the second thing we said was, "Great, we have all this data, but your physical therapist on the team is literally rehabbing people all day. Your athletic trainers are literally in the training room helping guys get ready every day. Your strength coaches are in the gym all day helping the players get their training. They don't have time to look at this data, right? <laughs> you know, because yeah. they, they're working with the people. So, you know, what you, the first thing you do is, all right, we need to start building our sports science department, and then that's kind of where." you have analysts that come in so for me you know how do you handle all the data i think well it's it's kind of simple it's you have you have you know somebody that is their sole responsibility is is data management and analysis but then the clinical team the people that actually work with the players every day they get to ask questions now say hey what is uh you know Does grip strength correlate to exit velocity for our batters? And then over time, does that cause more oblique injuries or whatever it may be, right? There's all these like detailed analyses we could do based on that. But for me, how do you handle it is you build a bigger team. Now, if you can't do that, which is probably most people that are in the pro sports model, I think it's very, very, very easy. You just start simple. You start with the low-hanging fruit, the big rocks, and you don't try to overcomplicate things. Right? Everybody wants to say, hey, I'm, uh, I have an opportunity to go uh, do screening on a local high school baseball team. There's, you know, 50 kids that I'm going to go screen, and they want to do this like huge, complex screening thing, right? But if you really think about it, you could probably just pick four, five, six things that are going to probably have the biggest impact on their injury risk and their performance, you know, inhibitors, like that type of thing, right? So stick with those six things, just master that. Get those basics down. And then if you have more time or if you have more manpower down the road, you can get a little bit more sophisticated with, with, with your data. But man, for baseball, like just check their arm range of motion and strength, right? <laughs> like if if you're worried about all these fancy, you know, do they have, you know, you know, big toe extension. Right, but you're not looking at external rotation strength of the shoulder. You're kind of, you're kind of, you know, t- taking it a little bit too far, right? Just stick to the basics that you know are going to be, you know, the bread and butter, and, and that's probably the best way to do it. Start simple.
0: Do you think? I guess with um with what we spoke about a second ago, with uh, athlete education and empowerment in mind, have you ever kind of used? Um, and your education to teach the athlete how to collect their own information that's relevant in terms of how they then manage um, their decisions, you know whether that's um, screening their own mobility before they train or something like that. Do you ever kind of equip them with the the data approach or the information collecting approach for their own management?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's probably the next you know kind of wave of of evolution probably with our sports science and and all these things, especially at the pro sports model and just to give you just like a a quick like little you know story of 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 how it's gone and something as big as major league baseball so pro sports um, you know, major league baseball is a business, right? There, there are, is a huge ownership conglomerate. This is billions of dollars, right? Um, the players have a huge union. There's this players association. It's the world's probably most powerful union out there. So we, in baseball over the last five, 10 years or so, some of the teams got out ahead and they started doing these advanced like sports science things all based on, you know, some of the great things we've learned from overseas, like with, you know, you know soccer teams and rugby and stuff like that. Um, and and they were looking at, you know, let's look at hydration levels. Let's look at their sleep metrics. Let's look at all these things that we can find. And then you know what happened one day? The union came in and said, hey, guys, to the players, hey, guys, stop doing all that. You're giving them data that they're going to use against you. Right? How crazy is that? Right? It's a little disappointing, but they're probably right. So and that's, that's kind of the, the problem with that is when the team, the owner, who is the boss, is collecting the data. Sometimes the players feel like they're going to use that negatively against them. It may be like a salary kind of negotiation or contract negotiation in the future. So I think the future is having the players understand this and be able to manage this themselves right? Like being able to just do their own HRV and maybe like waking heart rate in the morning and kind of see how their, their, you know, rest has been to maybe record their own things like hydration and sleep hours and their, you know, RPEs with just how they're doing things, embracing all these things and teaching them a little bit of this, I think is going to be the next wave for the skill work. The players are already doing it, at least in baseball. Every pitcher knows his velocity. Every pitcher is working on their spin rate. All the batters are, are working on their exit velocity, right So they have sensors that you could put on the bat. They have fairly affordable kind of machines that measure things like your spin rate and movement that baseball players can use. Um, they're already doing that for a data approach for their performance outcomes. The next wave now is kind of teaching them how to do it for themselves, for their physical outcomes.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that something that you kind of implement at Champion BT with pros or perhaps, um, I guess, maybe athletes that don't have the pro team around them, like, say, a high school athlete?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the high school athletes are tough, right? Because I don't know. I mean, maybe I just, maybe I don't remember high school, but I feel like the high schoolers nowadays are in a much, much, tougher situation than, than we probably were when we were kids uh, I feel like they're you know they're they have activities of all afternoon and night they're doing homework at 10 o'clock at night still like they are they're not sleeping they're not recovering you know some are playing three sports some are just playing one sport they both have pros and cons like there's so many things that go into that so you know I, I always just take the approach especially with the, the high school youth kids is you know we're here to help you and your family like your parents kind of help you through this process you know so you know what can you do to maybe eat better or what can you do to recover better from that workout but there's only so much you can do when you only have them for maybe two three hours a week at your facility right so you know it's super hard in that like it's mostly the basics of you know sleep hydration nutrition like those sorts of things and then as the player gets a little bit older and then they start getting to the college level they start getting to even the pro level or you know the minor leagues and you know before they get to the major leagues then they can start to focus a little bit more on 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 their sport as their profession and that's when you can really start taking advantage of that
0: in terms of kind of um you know if that's kind of trends that we might see for uh, you know for the delivery or the management of athletes is- you know, I'm really aware that you've clearly got your ear to the ground on educating professionals with your kind of online empire of courses, um, and and your performance specialist program. Is there kind of any gaps in knowledge that you see clinicians going into sport now having that maybe need um, upskilling in certain areas, or is there any kind of things that you're, your, your trends you're seeing with clinicians that we need as a collective to be able to deliver going forwards?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that that's believe it or not, that's kind of where you know my latest course my uh, champion performance specialist course kind of came from um i, I didn't really i didn't like set out to make this course <laughs> right it wasn't you know like a sh- i you know have a course on how to like evaluate and treat the shoulder and another one on the knee that was very specific right it's like all right i'm i'm a specialist in shoulder rehab let me teach you how to do that right um with the champion performance specialist thing it essentially what happened was as, as I evolved as a professional and I kind of got better at these things, um, I started hearing from more and more students and even the, you know, the clinical rotations that come through our facility that they all feel like they're learning the basics of like evaluation, treatment, even training, but they don't know how to work with people that want to enhance their performance. Right. And and then we kind of started this, like this, you know, this buzz, we kind of call it performance therapy, just like performance training, but it's, it's, it's kind of set to think, look, you don't need to have like a huge injury or a surgery to go to get performance therapy. You might just be suboptimal and there may be things we can do to kind of restore, optimize, and then eventually enhance your performance. And we started kind of, you know, focusing on this more by kind of putting all of the things we do together in one bucket. And it became very apparent that other people were struggling with this concept, that they just – you don't learn this in school, right? You don't learn how to optimize and enhance your performance. You just just kind of learn the basics, almost like how to not hurt the person, right? That's what you learn in school. So it became – very obvious to us that people didn't know how to do that sort of thing. So as we systemized our approach at champion, just when we were building our practice, you know, all the students, all the people come through, they were just like, man, you gotta, you know, you gotta teach this. And that's kind of how our champion performance specialist was kind of born is it was, it was more of something that we just inherently did. And I guess in, you know, my 20 plus years now, of these weird, unique situations I've found myself in, you know, you learn a, ton just accidentally through just osmosis almost just you know in those environments so you know i truly you know this is completely humble i mean completely humble about this but i truly feel like this is like this program is like a shortcut to somebody to jump like 10 plus years in their career with like figuring out how to evaluate somebody's movement and then how to you know, restore and optimize them because I, I just, that's just not what you get in school these days.
0: Yeah. Do you think, because I kind of think that strength and conditioning coaches, um, as a wide sweeping generalization, are far more comfortable with the idea that you can, you can fine tune performance and you can microdose things to get a, a longer term progression in something technically or athletically. Do you think maybe PTs, the education kind of almost blocks that way of thinking? Because it's kind of like yeah. you do a you do something, test, retest, has it worked? Okay, maybe there's there is or there isn't evidence. There's not that kind of patience, uh, time wise, to see something evolve.
1: Yeah, especially if you're in the insurance based model, and you have like visitation limits and stuff like that. We just got to get to a point where you know physical therapy is is you know, especially in the insurance-based model and you have six visits, like you just, <laughs> you got to realize like, what on earth are you going to get done in six visits? That's like useless. So great. You, you know, you were, let's just say you're like, you're a middle-aged guy. You're completely out of shape. You had your poor mobility, poor stability in certain areas, you know, and you decided to play basketball one weekend and you tore your Achilles, you know, great. You got six visits to come back from that. And we're going to get you back to that really crappy. Uh, position that you are in before congrats you're back to your crappy baseline, <laughs> right like yeah. it's kind of absurd like that that's probably why you you got injured to get into that that spot so congrats we're going to get you back to that um you know people i think just have to realize that there's there's a whole next level we need to get to and that's where the the kind of the blend that bridging the gap of, of rehab performance has to have happen here like pts are really good at the acute sometimes even subacute kind of phase um, and strength coaches do a really good job with healthy people, but that middle ground where people are suboptimal, but not injured, that is this, this ground and p- probably more people than we give credit for. So, you know, PTs tend to do a kind of like not the best job with like advanced performance based up. And even like the strength coaches, personal trainers in the world, you know, as, as well as they do a good job. They oftentimes just guess to try to optimize people like just slap some correctives on some people and hope it works right oh you don't have shoulder mobility well jam it up there 10 times let's see if that gets better like why would that work right <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it's like one of those 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 weird positions so it's this middle ground of you know we kind of keep you know I keep saying this phrase because I kind of I really like this phrase but it's it's restoring kind of uh, going through the whole spectrum of it it's restoring Restoring, optimizing, and then enhancing their performance—you got to do those together, right? Restoring is PT, uh, and uh, enhancing is the the strength world. It's that optimizing in the middle that I just don't think we we are really good at just yet. And that's that's kind of you know the whole point of why we tried to you know get this stuff out there to the public.
0: And have you got any kind of? Um, is there any programs or courses that you're currently designing, or is there anything you're you're currently kind of uh, you know turning your particular attention to, um, whether that's in your practice or as an educator?
1: Yeah, I mean, so for myself, like what I'm trying to do is I'm I'm trying to just get better at you know workload management and understanding some of those concepts and. You know, digging into like the Tim Gabbitt world with, with, you know, acute chronic workload ratios and a lot of their, you know, research that goes into that and, and how to apply that to all sorts of things. So, not just, you know, performance, but also some rehab things. So, that's kind of where I've been trying to kind of, you know, grow myself. But in terms of like creating more courses and stuff, to be honest with you, that the champion performance specialist courses, I mean, it's, it's absolutely enormous. It's just, it's gigantic. So, I've been, you know, just trying to bring, people through you know the the enrollment waves with that so we have open enrollments a couple times a year and i really try to get in there and we do a bunch of like live sessions so that way we can help people like over the internet kind of kind of get it And i've just been focusing so much on that and refining that that you know it's been it's been pretty neat to kind of see you know all the people you know really go through it and actually get that light bulb moment right where they're like all right this makes sense like you know it's like you've just given me like a you know i what i say in the whole program is like i'm gonna give you the recipe right you may have your own ingredients like i don't really care if you like salt or pepper that's fine like i don't care if you like instrument assisted or dry needling cupping or using your. i don't care what you do but here's the recipe: you put your ingredients in, so it's like completely scalable to each person. That's it's pretty neat the way you do that.
0: Sounds well supported. It sounds like you're kind of, uh, you know, we'll get regardless of the disciplines or the skill sets people want to use or bring to it. You're joining the dots essentially for how they package it for performance and health
1: yeah absolutely it's 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 just it's having that experience and and seeing all those things putting it all together it's pretty neat again when you know that light bulb goes off so so it's pretty cool but like you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't mean to keep talking about that. thing. It's just more that the, that's mostly what's on my head right now is, yeah. is how to teach people this, this middle ground here. It's just, it's, it's so foreign to most people, but, but at least in my world, that's what everybody wants to do, right? Everybody like in the sports world wants to work with athletes and pro sports and stuff like that. Um, you know, but they, they're probably the the least equipped to do that of all the different demographics.
0: Yeah. No, it's pressing, isn't it? It's it's a sign of the times, right? Absolutely. It's it, it's going to be fun. We're not far off. It's
1: you know, it's not rocket science. We just, you know, I just think it's not built into our educational models to really you know focus on that yet. So, you know, there's there's some extra learning to do.
0: Well, I think we're on the clock. But um, where, you know, where's the best place for people to find you? I know you've got. That, you know that's quite an endless list for you because you're everywhere online but uh, where's the best place for people to follow you?
1: <laughs> I, I'm easy my hubs just my website MikeRonald.com. and you know from there you can follow me on social or you know I get a weekly newsletter I get a podcast I mean there's just so much out there just you know myself my team like all of us at champion we just we just love educating because it really it keeps us on the current current edge like the cutting edge and, and staying up on things so you know we just love doing it and it's just what we've done like for our whole career. So it's, you know, it's it's for people that that want to join us in that journey and for the people that are sick of going on Instagram and trying to figure out what on earth to do because everyone's just arguing and saying nothing works. It's very frustrating right now. So <laughs> 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 that could be a whole nother episode.
0: <laughs> you've, de- you've definitely got a good menu for people to pick from as to how they consume your content and your uh, your your framework for education and, and progressing themselves.
1: Yeah. Awesome. You know, and it's, again, like I said, it's, um, I'm, I'm, it's proud to be part of this podcast too, because you know, you guys are, you guys are also doing your part on educating everybody. So, you know, thank you for that. And, you know, thank you for spreading the knowledge.
0: No, it's a pleasure. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on and giving up some time amongst, uh, the crazy time of year that is spring training.
1: Yeah, no, my pleasure. Hopefully we'll do it again. Thanks a lot.
0: I'd like to thank Mike Reynolds for coming on today's show. It's a real pleasure to chat to him both on and off air. And I really appreciate his down-to-earth yet expert insight. And especially midway through spring training for baseball, which was very generous. So again, big thank you to him. Definitely check out his website, mikereynolds.com. It is truly full of great information for both coaches and clinicians. And as usual, everything will be linked in the show notes, which you can find at our website, informperformance.com. Thank you for listening to this Informed Performance episode with me, Andy McDonald, and we will catch you next week for another performance and sports medicine conversation.